Hello and welcome to Mosaic Life Church's podcast. We believe that everyone can find hope and healing in Christ. My name is Jack Gonzalez, the lead pastor here at Mosaic. and We hope that you enjoy today's message and you're blessed by it. At the end of the message, I'll share some contact information with you. If you do have any further questions, you can connect with us. Have a blessed day. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm Pastor Carla, one of the associate pastors here. Good morning. Thank you for being here with us, and thank you for joining us online. So this morning, we're going to continue the series that Pastor Jack has uh, has started, which is learning the name of God, is knowing him by name, knowing God by name. And uh, Pastor Jack uh, called me and asked me if I can come and bring it this, uh, the word this morning. And we're actually going to be studying one of another name of God, and this is what is known as Jehovah Nisi. Now, to me, that's uh, it's a, actually that name. I was excited when he told me that that name has a special meaning for me. Back in the day, long time ago, back ooh, in the moons, um, when I was closer to Jay and his age, right over there. <laughs> um, I remember actually I was 19 years old. I'm actually closer more to this gap over here. Um, I went to a conference. Uh, it was more like a worship conference, and I learned a lot about what it is to worship God and what it is to render yourself to the Lord. In that name, actually, was brought out to me very specifically, and they reminded me that who is Jehovah to me in the circumstances. Little did I know the trials that were going to come ahead of me and how important thy name was going to become to me. Uh, so before we start, let me go ahead and pray, and then we're going to go ahead to our main passage. Father, this morning we thank you. Therefore, uh, for the breath that you have given us, thank you for your salvation in our lives, Lord. Lord, thank you that we are here be able to uh, learn from, from your word, Lord, and worship you. And, Lord, I ask, Lord, that your spirit will fall upon your people, Lord. Lord, that your presence will fill this place. Lord, that as we go into your word, let our ears be open to, to hear your voice and to learn from your word. Lord, thank you for who you are in us. And thank you for you, what you're going to do through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So our main passage, um, and of course, uh, sorry, I don't have any, I wasn't told to bring any gift certificates or anything. So, but if I hear Pastor Jack, he's going to do on the next, you know, next, next series, he's going to have, um, you know, Starbucks certificates, um, gift cards. But let's go to Jeremiah uh, 9, 23 and 24, and let's go ahead and read it together. Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Here we go. This is what the Lord says. Let no wise man boast of his wisdom, nor let the mighty man boast of his might, nor a rich man boast of his riches. But let the one who boasts boast on this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises mercy, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, you know, as, you know, as we go into this passage, as we go into this, uh, I was actually, when I was reading the passage we're going to look into for our topic, our message today, um, I was laughing because I realized, you know, God calls us sometimes into situations that we might not like or puts us in situations or circumstances that we want to run away instead of face. I mean, think about it. I mean, there's times that, like the dentist. Who wants to go to the dentist? I don't know. But there's times that we have to go to the dentist. So I was thinking about all those little things, and then I started laughing. Now, my husband, 
Obvio, he's a jokester. He tells jokes all the time. If you know him, you know that. And there's times that I just like, ha, ha, ha. He goes like, I know you're not laughing right now. He tells me, you might not laugh right now, but I know there will be one day you're going to just sit in there and you're going to remember one of my jokes and you're going to laugh out of nowhere. It happened. It happened. It did happen. So I was thinking about our pastors, and then I remember this joke about the Christian bear. I don't know if you guys heard about it or you heard him say this one. So it goes that there was a man that was walking in the woods. He was just, you know, strolling around, hiking around, and suddenly encounters a bear. And this bear just doesn't come. So I don't know about you, but I, I will run away. Uh, the bear. And so the man begins to cry and pray. says, Lord, Lord, let it be a Christian bear. Let it not eat me or destroy me. And so he opens his eyes, and the next thing he knows, the bear is getting on his knees with his little paws, you know, pulled it up. The next thing the man realizes, he hears this, that bear praying, Father, thank you for the meal that we're about to eat. I thought it was funny, you know. <laughs> did I do good? Thank you. All right. All right. Whew, I delivered that one good. I was a little worried about it, you know. And so, so there is times that God puts us in some circumstances. So maybe we find ourselves into a place where, like, it is not pleasant to, to face. And we want to run away. Yet, somehow God doesn't want us to run away. He said he calls us to, like, no, face it, go. And, you know, sometimes it's throws us a boot or two and pushes us into a place where we need to face. So we're going to look at what Israel was, what's happened to Israel. Now, let's go back a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit of background. Just to, you know, yeah, so. so we have Israel who's been captive in Egypt. And, you know, they, they've been uh, uh, under the, 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 the rod of Pharaoh and for hundreds of years. Suddenly, you know, God calls this man named Moses. Not that Moses. Moses. And so, and he tells Moses to go and talk to Pharaoh to get his people out. And we know the story. He, you know, he goes in. We see the miracle that happens there. And eventually Moses, is, I mean, Pharaoh's heart, you know, softens. Not so much. He's just like, I just want to get you out of here to get you your God out of my place. And so he lets his people go, and they go. You know, they, they're like, whoo, then you know, they go through, like, the, the, they're happy and excited. And then they find themselves into a place where, like, Pharaoh changes his mind. And there's a huge, you know, there's a sea they need to cross. And they start complaining that they're going to drown. And why did, you know, why, why did you take us out? And, of course, we see again where Moses grabs the staff. And he pointed it out in the sea parts. And Israel was able to cross and be saved. And that's what we're going to be picking up in Exodus 1 through 15. Um, you can go and read 1 through 7 on yourself, but basically that part is they have crossed the Red Sea, and they're tired. They're weary. I you know we understand walking and running, and the fact that somebody wants to kill you is running behind you. It is not an easy task. You know, imagine the bear coming after you, and you're running and can't climb a tree to get away from the bear. And so they're complaining again. And they're like, we're thirsty, we're tired, Moses, what are you going to do about it? I feel sorry for Moses. And now Moses, I can see Moses going up to God's like, Lord, those are your people. Deal with them. Um, but God directs him and says, you know, take your staff, strike the stone, and water will come out. And that's what he did. And Israel had water to drink. And they were rested. 
Little did they know what was going to happen in the next verse. So let's go ahead and read that. Exodus 8 through 16. And it says this, The Amenites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go to, out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God of God in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses and Aaron and Ur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his, up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. That's kind of interesting, right? It's like it all depends on where your hand position is at, you know, the GPS. Um, where, like, you know, lower your hand, you lose. It, 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 to me, this is a very interesting battle. But we're going to continue. It says, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands would remain steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. Basically, he's saying, write this down and make sure those goes into Joshua's ears. He needs to know this. And this is the same message he has for us today. Because I will completely blot out the name of the Amalek from under heaven. Moses, in 15, it's not there, but 15 says this. Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my manner. In Hebrew, Jehovah, Jawed, Nisi, Jehovah, Nisi. He said, because thy hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be a war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. The word Nisi is a very interesting word. Um, so let's do an exercise. Do it with me. Lift up both of your hands up. You know, to understand what Nisi or the word banner is we gotta understand what it actually is, and especially in biblical times, you know. Um, and this is actually you can we can also see it through history a little bit, through especially the medieval times. But basically, Nisi is a huge plank of wood, a huge piece of wood, and sometimes it is covered with a metal a metal piece that is reflective. And what they will do is they will engrave on the wood of metal. The name of them, the, the kingdom, the name of the king, or whatever that army is, rep is represented by. So when they were marching to battle, they would hold it up high. And remember, it's a huge piece of wood. And so no matter where they went, whenever they were facing their enemies, the enemy might not be able to see who they really were, what they looked like. They might not be able to see what kind of weapon they will bring. But the one thing they will see is what? Their nisi. They will know what, who's the kingdom that is coming and what king is represented in the kingdom. So let's think that about it. You know, and, and through history, I, I always think of iconic pictures. Um, I think of that. Are you, are you sorry yet? Not yet? Okay, good. You know, I, I think of those iconic pictures like the one, um, you know, when uh, you might, some, most of you guys, I say most because some of us will still remember this. I, I wasn't born then. But when the United States landed on the moon, you know, the iconic thing that we saw that was seen on TV or even pictures in history where the flag was planted on the moon? It represented the conquering that this nation did, something that no man had ever done before. I still remember the iconic picture of after the, uh, when the towers came down. In that picture, they came out with a flag flying over the rumbles and crumbles of, the, of those buildings. And it represented to us that we will not give up. We will have the victory. We will not be conquered. 
And all of us that saw the picture felt the same thing. And I still, one thing that I love, I guess it's still hurting, sweating? Okay. Um, what I love is um, when, the day, when the Olympics come, one thing I love, I don't care about the show that they do, what I love watching is when those nations come in and just how they're dressed. And I love watching that flag flying up high that that person is holding, representing the nation those athletes represent. That is an easy, that is a banner. You can lower your hand. You see, it says, the, are you guys sore yet? <laughs> you see, when, John, when Moses had to lift up his hands, historian says that it says the word that it was until sunset. So we're looking at about, about 14, 16 hours span where those hands were lifted up high. You know, I can see Moses, like the first hand, it's like first hour, it's like, oh, I'm doing cool, this is cool, I can do this. Hour and a half, two hours, oh, my muscles are hurting, three hours. And the word says that as the low hands were being lowered, the battle was being lost. There's a symbolism and a lesson that God wants us to learn there. I don't want to drop this, that's why I carefully drop my mic, it's going to go. You see, the banner for us represents the name of Yahweh, Jehovah. And in the last week, we have learned the different names of Jehovah. We have learned that he is what? Our God of peace, right? He's our deliverer. He's our healer. And so that is who we represents. And God is telling us, I am your banner. I am who represents that. There's times that we have to face our battles or circumstances or even our temptations. You know, for Moses, that stuff that he held represented the power of God. We, have, we, we go back just a couple of chapters behind. We know what that is. You know, we saw that when, when Moses went and went against Pharaoh the first time, he threw the stuff on the ground. It became a serpent and devoured the serpents of the Pharaoh. When he stretched it out, he turned the waters into blood. When they were being chased by the enemy, the staff was being stretched, and we saw the miracle of the sea being split and then being able to go into safety. See, banner is not just a, ba not just a name, but it's also our protector, our defender. He's the covering that we have, but we can only do it when we walk with him and we spend time with him and we know him. So there's a lesson that God wants us to learn. One of the ones that I want you to remember is this, that the battle belongs to the Lord. And I want us to go to 1 Chronicle 20, 1 through 15. Now, we're going to be basically redoing verse 15. But there's a story, there's another story of another battle where the king, King Joseph was completely worried. He was freaking out because there was a huge army that was coming against him. And he didn't know what he was going to do. He's like, we're dead. We're done. And God sends his messenger to him to tell him this. In verse 15, this is what he tells him. This is his message. He says, he says, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. You see, sometimes we face battles and we try to fix it on, you know, by ourselves. We try to uh, do things because we think we know better than God. 
I hope that we're wiser than God. And sometimes I, I'll be honest, I fall flat, I fall into that little trap sometimes because I am one of those that if something goes wrong, I try to fix it before anything else. And sometimes God tells me, you got to stop. I'll fix it. You get in the middle of it, you're going to mess it up. And I know I can mess it up really good. I'm really good at that. Um, we, I laugh because my husband knows this. I'm a clumps. I cl- I'm clumsy. I'm peri. I'm clumsy. I, I, if you guys don't notice how many times I try, I almost fall out of those stairs. I walk those stairs like, Lord, help me. Getting up on this stage is like a miracle sometimes. Um, but, you know, sometimes we try to do something good. Or even if, you know, even I'll even say this. Even when we try to do something for the church, we're like, I got this. We start using, we thinking we know how to do it better. And we forget to ask God or consult with God. You know, especially if, you're, if you have a ministry or call to something, consult God before you take a step. Ask him, Lord, is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this what I'm supposed to say? Is this what I'm supposed to be? Um, you know, I, there is a comedian out there uh, that I sometimes watch. And actually, yesterday I was watching a clip. It cracked me up the most, but it's so true. That sometimes we put ourselves in situ- situations and then we are crying out to God, save us. And then I wonder how many times God says, I didn't call you to do that. Why would I save you? You know, and, and it's like, you should ask for wisdom first, you know. And so, but God is telling us, this is my battle. I battle your battles. I'm the one that goes before you. I'm the one that announces to the enemy or to your circumstances who I am in you. And unless we stand that and walk in the confidence that we know that he is, he's the one that fights, we will never be able to see our victories. Secondly, I want you guys to remember is this. We were never meant to battle by ourselves. We were never meant to go into battle and hold a sword by ourselves and fight by ourselves because those armies are huge. And we get tired. Moses got tired. 16 hours. Can you imagine 16 hours of holding your hands up? And not only that, he had the, the rod. And it's not that little rod. It's not, it was not a little staff. I mean, it was wood and heavy. But there's times that we forget that we're supposed to battle together. I love the verse in Ecclesiastics. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I'm wrong. Ecclesiastes. I actually, I'm right. Ecclesiastes. So I was reading in Spanish. I got confused. My brain is like, oh. Uh, but Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this. The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A core of three strands is not quickly broken. We're never meant to be those, that lone ranger. Never. We were meant to do this together. We are meant to walk together. So when my brother falls, I'll go to him and I'll stand with him. I'll pray for them. I'll, you know, you know, I'll, I'll make sure that they're not, you're not in this island by yourself. I'm here. When my sister goes through something, yes, she's going to be the one going to have to face it. But if she falls and she's discouraged, I'm going to encourage her. I'm going to inspire her. I'm going to help her look back to God and seek God. Because there's times that we want to run away from the circumstances. And we need those people that say, "Uh uh-uh, there's Jesus. Go to him. Let's do this together. Let's face it together. Another aspect that he wants us to remember is this, that he is our protector. The book of Psalms says this, Psalm 64, it says, For those who fear you, you have raised a banner to be unfurled against a bow. And it's a very poetic um, 
verse, and I, I love how David wrote it there. But basically what David is saying, that God is his banner, and that he has placed his banner for those who fear him, for those enemies that are coming against him. They fear the name of the Lord. He has raised up. Thank you, staff. He had raised the banner that we unfurled against the bow. So when an enemy comes against you with bows and arrows and with a sword, the God that is with you is the one who's going to fight them. One of the things that I, I have learned, and sometimes I, I fall short, you know, sometimes we go to battle and we forget our weapons, is this, that our battles are fought and won in prayer. And for those who come on Tuesday nights that come and do, um, you know, the prayer time or prayer hour, I want to say thank you because you are standing in the battle line. You are standing right at the front line because without you, without your prayers, what happens in this church, the miracles that we see, the things that we're seeing change cannot happen. Because it is on the altar, it is on our knees that we can see the hand of God move. Ephesians 6, 18 says this, And pray in the spirit of all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. God warns us and reminds us that it is in the prayer that we must be alert. We must be in battle. We are fighting. He didn't call us to run away. He didn't call us to, uh, to, be a, you know, to hide. But instead, God is the God that calls us to battle. God is the God that wants you to face your circumstances. And I don't know what your circumstances are or what your battles are. But this I know, and it is true, that he is your Jehovah Nisi. You see, he is your defender. He's your healer. He's your provider. He's the God of the God, leader, the Lord of Lord, the, the, the Kings of King. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He is everything. And He is your banner. He is the one that covers you. So when you face your circumstances, He's already declaring to your problem, to your battle, who He is. And I don't know about you. But if I am against God, I will be freaking out. Because no one can come against the hand of God. No one can win against God. So if he tells me, I am your Nisi, Jehovah Nisi is over you. Then you can tell your problem, who is the power that comes with you. And it reminds me of David, how little, uh, you know, we read David all the time. And, it, you know, he's a little, according to historian, he was like a, you know, a tiny little kid, comes against a giant. But he understood because he already seen the hand of God. You see, Israel saw the hand of God. He saw the miracles. He saw them transform everything and change everything and deliver them from captivity. But, yeah, they were still struggling. But Joshua listen to Moses and Moses listened to God and they saw the first battle that they had to fight out of captivity in huge victory there's a there's a phrase that I love 
and I'm going to quote it here. I don't know who quoted it, the, the, the original quarter, but it is this. Don't expect a million-dollar answer on a dying prayer. Let's, we cannot expect God to give us an answer, to give us what we ask for, that miracle, when we only give him a tiny little piece of us. We can't. We cannot expect God to give us a miracle when all we give God is two minutes of our time. But when we give God all who we got, even, you know, I, get, I remember that, that, that la, la viejita, like in Spanish, but the, the one lady that only had two coins, yes, he, she gave it all. That's all she owed. She owned. Yes, she gave it. It's in the same way God wants us. He wants us. He doesn't want your leftovers. He doesn't want um, the little time you have. He wants you. And when we deposit who we are in him, he returns us into multiples in us. But don't expect God to answer your prayers or to give you your miracles if you don't give God your time. The greatest battle you will ever win will be won in prayer. And that's the only way to win it. I'm going to ask uh, the other Moses to come. Those miracles he needs to see too. Amen. You see, God will show up when he needs to show up. He will cover you when you're in battle, when you face your things. Many, uh, a few years back, actually many years back, almost 12 years ago or so, um, when I was a missionary, I owned this little tiny little, uh, little car that was falling apart, honestly, it was. But it saw me through so many things. It saw me through my college years. It saw me through my mission training. It saw me through my mission years. And it's just I like, Lord, thank you. You gave me this, and it saw me through so many things. There was so much history in that car. Even the prayers that I prayed with some of my students that came to know the Lord. There were times that the, the tears that were shed in those cars when I would pick up one of my students that maybe they, they suffer a, a something horrible and they didn't know where to go but through the years you know I asked God like Lord I need a car <laughs> if you want me to do what you want me to do I need to transport and I still remember one one night I had to go um um over there oh, it was it's kind of two hours away <laughs> uh close to Clear Lake and I was coming back it was late at night and uh, Something happened on the way there that I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. And thankfully, right as I was getting into my exit, my car broke down. A little like, yeah. And I had enough juice in that engine, and thankfully I was on a downhill kind of curve that, I used, that somehow that all worked out where whatever energy was left in that car, that propelled to, for me to get out of there cruise coast all the way into a parking lot of a, a gas station and it just died there and so I remember calling and um, you know calling my friends calling people and they came to pick me up we called a tow truck they took it to the mechanic I was using at the time very graciously they fixed it and but I knew it was getting to the end but through so many times of me asking God God kept saying wait not time yet just wait Waiting and waiting, then uh, Rick and I started seeing each other. He, he saw that. He saw the car. He knew what I was driving. He goes, like, it's not safe for you. So many times he tried to, uh, you know, encourage me to find a car. He even would find it for me. 
and I would tell him, you know, let me ask God. I would ask God, and he would say, no, wait. And that would went on for some time. And then um, after we got married, I remember my little car had to go through an inspection, and it didn't pass. And the mechanic was honest. He said, hey, it ain't going to cost you way more to fix this car than it is what the worth of the car is now. And I knew it was time. And so I remember going to where my husband worked. He worked at a dealership, and I cried. And I told him, I go, like, oh, no, I don't know if we can afford it. Can we do this? And, and I was, you know, going through all that human emotions. And then God slapped me and says, remember who I am. I was like, oh, yes. Hi, God. <laughs> I'm here. Um, so we decided to trust God. We fill up an application. I put it, put it in. At that time, he says, you're going to have to do it on your own. Face your battles on your own. But I wasn't by myself. He was, my husband was supporting me, encouraging me. But this battle was mine. And I remember filling out the, the, the application and submitting. And, and I've got so many doubts. And I, in my head, I was fighting doubts. Because I like in my head, I was like, they're never going to get me. They're never going to approve me. Oh, I'm going to have the car. And I remember we walked a lot. And we saw this beautiful red car. And I remember crazy me just kneeling in the parking lot. And putting my hands on the car, and I said, Lord, you told me, you told me that when was the right time, you will show up. And I was like, this is the right time, Lord, you better show up. And we, we got up, we walked, and his boss came out. And in a language that I don't understand, meaning car, car dealership business language, uh, he was telling Rick that he couldn't believe what he had, that we got approved. And I guess we got approved at a very low rate. And they didn't want any proof of income. And for me, that was amazing because as a missionary, um, we have no way to prove our income. And it's a hassle to prove it. So, you know, it's just it's a pain to get, as a missionary, it's a pain to get anything because you have to prove so many things. But the guy came out and says, they, they don't want anything. They don't, they don't want any proof. They don't want to know how much she earns. They don't even want to know, you know, sometimes you have to take the little thing that I, you know, to prove your residence. They didn't want anything. And this wasn't a shady bank. This was actually a really good bank. And I was like, well, what's going on? And I was like, can somebody explain it to me? And so finally Rick went and talked to them. He came out and he told me, this is what's going on. You got the car. At this rate, at this payment. And I was like, whoa, that's low. Whoa, I can afford that. He goes, but they don't want anything from you. They don't want to show, you don't want, you need to show anything. You, they just need your signature. And we're like, at that point, I was crying, he was crying, but his boss, who's not a Christian, was in doubt. So he called the bank. How dare he? He called the bank, and he questioned the bank of how this got approved. And so when the representative of the bank got on the phone with him, they looked at the paperwork, and they said, we don't know what happened. We don't know who approved it, but because it is approved, we have to honor it. The bank itself, I was like, Rick, even to this day, to us, we're like, I have no idea how that happened, but it happened. You know? But they couldn't figure out, they couldn't prove who, who, they couldn't figure out who approved it. But the bank said, but it's been approved and we have to stand on our honor. And so we got a car. And I remember um, Rick sharing that one of his coworkers came out and he, he asked Rick, he's like, hey, uh, what, what happened here? What's going on? And he looked at him and said, hey, what do I always tell you? And the guy, who's also not a believer, said, yeah, God is your friend and he is with you. 
You see, when we go into battle, when we face our circumstances, it is the banner of God that goes before us and on us and, and, and it announces to everyone who we are. We don't need to tell them because the enemy sees it already. God is the God that even though you might face a circumstances that is a hu like a huge army, he will go ahead and deliver that army onto your hands. He will give it to you. But you have to walk with him and commune with him and pray and ask. God loves his children. And when something or someone comes against his children, God comes against them. You are a beloved child of God. I know that. And this morning, actually, I was thinking about uh, this service. And I know this is the service that most of our uh, millennials <laughs> come, our uh, college students. You guys millennials? I don't know what you guys are. I, I mess it up all the time. J oh, J oh, sorry. Gen Z. Um, so it's like <laughs> selfie pose. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought about something, and I'm going to repeat something that I remember a minister one time repeated to my generation. And that, what he told me changed my perspective of how God sees me and sees my generation. And it's this for every generation, You've been entrusted with something great. The greater you're entrusted with, the greater responsibility you have to move the gospel forward. You see, for my generation, there's certain limits that we have. And it's, to me, it's a challenge to learn your language more all the time and your terminology. But I can only go so far. But you need to pick up where I leave off. It is time to take your call, your salvation, seriously. Where it's no longer a game, if you're a gamer. He's calling to a reality where there's a real battle to face and real circumstances to win. Because it is on your shoulders that the next generation will see the power of God. And he wants you to rise up. God is Jehovah Nisi. He is your provider. He's your shelter. He's your all in all. So we come and we raise up our hands up high to worship him and to show who he is because we bear the name of Jesus in our hearts. Amen. I'm going to ask Gabby to come up and the worship team. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar because it is only in prayer that we win our battles. I want you to surrender what you need to surrender to him. And through this week, I challenge you, if, if you don't spend a lot of time in prayer, challenge yourself to increase it even by one minute. By one minute. And just keep going. And if you not have given your, your struggles to God, surrender to him and watch him do it. And admit to and be honest and say, Lord, forgive me if I have not allowed you to be my, the one who fights for me.
but I render it to you. Just tell me what to do. I'll just follow you lead. Let him do the battle for you, and you will see him move. So as we go back into worship, I invite you to come to the altar and surrender out to him. Surrender all of it. Let him hear because your battle belongs to him. Though your battles are not even yours. It is all his. If you're in ministry, I'm going to say this. Give it all to him. And he's going to take you places you never imagined. Because he wants to see you be an example to a new generation. Amen. Hey, Pastor Jack here. I hope you enjoyed today's message and were blessed by it. If you did have any questions or prayer requests or wanted to connect with us further, I did want to share with you our email address. You can certainly find more information about us at mosaiconline.org. If it's in Spanish, mosaiconline.org slash ES. Um, but you can also email us here. You can email us at helpdesk at mosaiconline.org. That's helpdesk, H-E-L-P, D-E-S-K, helpdesk at mosaiconline.org. And you can send your message to us right there. We'd love to connect with you. That messages will get forwarded over to me and our team, our pastors, our staff, and we would love to help you and pray with you and come alongside you. God bless you.